Hello, everybody. This is Guy Courtin with Supply Chain Radio. We're with Bob Ferrari talking about the notion of logistics networks and what it holds for the future. Bob, how are you? Good. So, Bob, we finished our first part. We talked sort of setting the groundwork down for what, what it is we mean by logistics networks and how they're going to be built and things like that. But I think what our listeners really love is really being pushed, if you will, to think about in five years, 10 years, maybe three years, what does the world look like? And let's focus again this notion of these logistics networks that are going to be evolving. What does the world look like and what is driving it? What is the biggest driver that is going to force, as we said in the first part, force some of these players to create clusters and networks to compete? What is the big catalyst behind that? Let's start with that. Well, I think, you know, if you look back in, you want to call it logistics and transportation history or supply chain legacy history, whatever, we've always had the notion of retail, right? So, again, I'm going to date myself, but, you know, you think about when we first studied supply chain management and logistics and stuff like that, all right? So we talked about, you know, stocking the retail shelf. Yes, I heard the saying was what? Pilot high and let it fly? You got it. Exactly. So the whole notion was the store is the center of the fulfillment aspect, okay? The customer coming into the store, buying all these kinds of things, was the notion of the replenishment cycle that went to the store. So the whole logistics and distribution strategy was keyed around, well, you had a set of global or regional warehouses, and you would ship, you know, all suppliers, you know, wherever they were, would ship into these regional distribution centers. You would send truckloads. You know, everything was about truckload or efficiency and stuff like that. You get those, you know, you just... Your hub-and-spoke kind of thing was from distribution centers to stores. Replenish the stores. Everybody's happy. Just keep that thing going. Cost and efficiency was around all the things you could do. The world changed with online retail, okay? We all know that now. It's here. It's permanent. There are new dimensions of online. We'll, we'll see. You know, we just talked about in part one, Wayfair. And, you know, who would have thought kind of thing that you could buy hard goods and furniture and everything? Probably everything will be online by that. So the notions of, you know, thinking out what are we looking at three to five years? Well, the notion of retail and shopping could be, okay, the retailer or the retail presence is a combination of online and select physical store. Store serves as a notion of a showroom. We talked about that a couple of years ago, and retailers, I think, have now figured that out and doing a good job now of leveraging the physical store for what it serves as and online. So, you know, you could order online. You can look at the goods in the store. You could order online. You could pick up in the store, whatever it is. There's combinations of that kind of thing. That changes the whole supply chain strategy, okay? So the notion of fill up, you know, is no longer. The notion of Distribution centers is rapidly changing now. So the distribution center is the point of omni-channel fulfillment, okay? So I get goods and I fulfill orders out of the distribution center either for the online channel, which is kind of onesie twosie kind of thing, and that's driven the whole explosion in logistics that we see today, 
and you know the new revenue models for UPS, FedEx, and DHL or any of those other carriers as well. And then the notion is, all right, how do you merchandise? How do you plan in this new environment? And then what's happening in the B2B sector of this? Okay. So, you know, I sort of tease the reading audience sometimes when I use the term B2B or B2B to C or B2B to C. Yep. Because it's all of those. Right. Well, you behind know? every beat is a C. That's right. I, I heard, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, those, that's to change the thinking, okay? Yeah. And when I talk to audiences now about what do you see three to five years, one of the things is we've got to change our vernacular. We've now conditioned the world, and you know, kudos to all of us in supply chain. Everybody now understands the term supply chain management, Okay, we've got the Wall Street Journal. We've got major media publications. They all use the term now. This is great. It's outstanding. We've got to change the term because it's no longer a supply chain. It's a network. Mm. So a supply network? Well, I I wouldn't even use the word supply network. I start to use the word fulfillment network. I'm using the new word dynamic replenishment network. Because now the networks are all focused around what do I need to fulfill? Is it an online order? Is it a store order? Is it a business order? Is it something in between? But I'm, you know, the network now responds to where the demand is, where the customer is. Let me push you on that a little bit, Bob, because I think this notion in the future, right, in, in five years of this dynamic replenishment network and we talk about vernacular, doesn't the term replenishment, though, imply that we're now just replenishing basic goods on a regular basis, right? So it's it's a consumable, right? I'm replenishing toilet paper and milk. Yep. So I know that, you know, this person's got, you know, two kids of this age, I'm going to consume this much milk, and I have all the big data, and I have the AI, and I know exactly the rate of consumption, and oh, by the way, because... I have, you know, connectivity. I know they're going to vacation next week, so I'm going to slow down the replenishment, right? And if I'm Amazon, they're already telling me. And they're already telling me. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, yeah. and they've talked about vacation. I've, I've been eavesdropping, so I kind of predict that yeah. they're going to go. But are we moving towards a place where it becomes just replenishment of stuff? Or do we still have sort of this freedom as consumers to say, oh, no, today I want to buy a... I want to buy a new pair of shoes, and, and I decided on my own. The network didn't decide for me. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a perceptive question because we have 3D printing now. Right. Okay? So, you know, we have the ability to produce you a custom running shoe. Right. Okay? We already have that capability with Nike and others as well. So, yes, definitely, that's the other piece of this. Okay. Okay? So, you go online. And, you know, you say, hey, I want a custom pair of shoes. You find that particular provider online and, you know, you fill in all the requirements and, you know, they get you all your specifications. And then they communicate that electronically to that 3D printing facility. Yeah. Mm. There so, you go. So it almost in the future, we, we would have networks that would handle the dynamic replenishment. We'd have networks that would be more responsive to our consumer needs that are more shall we say, whimsical or, yep. you know, depending on our moods. 
And then you have another network that where the physical equipment itself is communicating its service needs. Mm. Okay? So think, you know, we're already hearing about this. Think of aircraft. Yep. Okay? That are flying that now have all these Internet of Things sensors all laden, you know, with the engines and with the equipment and things like that, communicating, hey, you know, I got a problem with the engine. It needs this kind of a part. I got probably another 100 hours left, but, you know, something's got to happen here. Yeah. All of that is communicating now to a network that basically says, oh, okay, we'll get you the part. What's your next destination? Where's the, you know, the closest maintenance area? Mm-hmm. I'm going to get that part into that area at this time so we can take care of that service. So what you're saying, what I'm hearing, is that we're going to see networks that are built around these bigger Uber themes around like physical networks, which are predictive maintenance, uptime for physical assets. All those pieces of the network that tie together. So like you said, maintenance, scheduling, spare parts, delivery, where does the plane land, where does it go next, things like that. We'll have things like dynamic replenishment networks that are for, let's call it everyday replenishments, whether it's B2B or B2C, right? If I'm running a a factory and I know that I need X amount of material every six days or whatever, based on the run rate, well, that's just dynamic replenishment. And then we'll have sort of a, I don't know, a customized network, customized fulfillment network that is more onesies, twosies to your point that could be, Hey, I need a, a 10 and a half size pair of Adidas running shoes. And I want, flames and unicorns on them. Yep. Well, that network can handle it. And to your point, we'll be able to look at itself and be able to dispatch uh, yep. and, and produce the That's stuff. That's exactly it. And then you can have, you know, let's go wild here a little yep. bit. You know, you can have cross-pollination and cross-breeding of that. So let's go back to the service network, right? You got a particular part on an aircraft that's custom-made. It's pretty expensive, right? right. You don't want to stock it. Yeah. Okay? You know, you stock these things, it's got a lot of money. But you know that you can 3D print the thing in less than a day. Yeah. That's the cross-printing. So the network is communicating to With the production the facility. Yep. Print me up one of these nozzles. Yeah. Okay? And, you know, I need it by, and I got to get it over here. Okay. No, that's interesting. So I think that something interesting in a few years to watch for these, these specific networks being created for the specific drivers, which are, again, going back to... Obviously, the change in how retail is being done, but this is not just retail B2C. It's B2B, B2C, B2B2C, as you said. Yep. So let's talk again also another three or five years. Another topic I know that's been very interesting to both you and I, India. Yep. You know, we've talked about these networks. I think we're seeing in India the battleground for players to create or to test out maybe their own network within the subcontinent of India. And then my assumption would be then if they succeed and when they succeed is to use that and just carry it to the rest of the world. What is your view on, on this play right now? I have, uh, you know, in, in my own annual predictions for the last three years have cited exactly that. You know, for me, India is the proving ground for global online dominance. And you can see the players have already, you know, fully encapsulated that, if you want to use that word. So definitely, there's a huge potential in the India online market. It's just an emerging future of online, okay? Now, it won't be as big as China, okay? But it has similar tendencies, so to speak, of China. You know, you've got logistics that are not necessarily mature right now. 
So, you know, a lot of investment is already happening and we'll continue to invest there to modernize, you know, the country's logistics. You've got the same kinds of challenges in terms of rural deliveries, payment systems. You know, everybody has a smartphone, not necessarily a credit card. Right. Same that, you know, they discovered in China. So you've got the, you know, the players of China, Alibaba, JD.com, and now, you know, Walmart, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what they're bringing. They're bringing all of those capabilities into India. So India serves as the fulcrum. Mm. for where they can go globally, especially in developing regions. So, you know, if you watch the players now as they, you know, do their investments, you know, it's definitely India. That's certainly a place to watch right now. But you've got the rest of Southeast Asia. Mm. So you've got major investments in Lazada, in Singapore. You've got the Middle East now and marketplaces in the Middle East that, you know, they're Basically, you know, there's a lot of investment, external investment going around. So it's all of those. Mm-hmm. And again, it's all the notion of who's going to be the dominant online globally okay. kind of thing. Interesting. Do you have a prediction for who? Oh, you I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even <laughs> going to go I, there. I, Bob, I had to try. I had to try. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to get, get something down on. Gonna, you know, this is going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. Deep pockets, by the way. Yeah. Very deep pockets. And it seems like deep pockets and obviously the 1 billion plus consumers in the Indian continent is keeping people's eyes open, kind of like what China was when it it was open back in the day. And a technologically savvy population as well. Right. Yeah. One more question about this stuff, just for fun. You know, in five years, where's blockchain? I think blockchain will play a very fundamental role. I mean, right now, you know, there's yeah, there's a lot of roadblocks, okay? Yeah. Let's not kid ourselves. But, you know, I've already been on record. You know, I'm saying the potential for blockchain is enormous. Right. And trust and security and all those kinds of things. There, especially in supply chain, there is a role for blockchain. Once we get through all these obstacles, and we will, mm-hmm. you know, eventually. So when you're talking about three to five years, Absolutely. We will see blockchain is playing a fundamental role in trust and kinds of things that we do right now. So, you know, it's about, you know, how you purchase from suppliers. It'll be around, you know, trusted transactional kinds of things. It'll be all of that. We're seeing, in, you know, the pilots in transportation and food safety and mm-hmm. traceability. There's lots of applications. So, yes, I think it'll definitely be playing a role for us. Great. Well, Bob, this has been a lot of fun. I think this is, we've covered a lot of topics in our predictions. Obviously, it's three to five years out. So uh, in three to five years, we'll revisit this and see what was right and what was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Bob, why don't you give another quick plug about where folks can find you and your blog? Yes. Uh, they can find me either on Supply Chain Matters, the Supply Chain Matters blog, or they can find me at our homepage, theferrarigroup.com. Bob, thanks again. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, thanks, folks. And we'll be back for another episode shortly. Bye.